You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Let's, uh, we've been, you all know what we're talking about, right? What did we talk about last week? Uh, what was that, Sister Latanya? We talked about help. And, uh, you know, someone asked me this week, actually a couple of days ago, why are you talking about hell? And I said, because I don't want to be, I have a responsibility to you as a pastor and to the people that are in this ministry. It says in Hebrews chapter 13 and except James chapter 3. Well, it says in James chapter 3 that the tongue is a, a, is a, a world of darkness and lights on fire, the souls of hell. You know what that really is talking about? It's talking about pastors who teach incorrectly and use their tongue to teach the Word of God in an inappropriate manner. And by doing so, they condemn themselves to hell. So the Word of God is very serious. It says in James chapter 3 that be not many teachers because they receive the greater condemnation. A lot of times people want to be teachers and they don't realize with being a teacher you have a tremendous responsibility. Yesterday I talked to someone who we were talking about the parable of the talents. And how some people, you ever notice that some people just have more insight, more knowledge, and more revelation than other people. That's not always a good thing. Because people that have more talents, that's been given to them by God, they're going to be equally more responsible. Amen? So I have to teach on everything that's in the Word of God. And for our Thursday nights, I thought, especially in October, it's appropriate to teach on hell. So uh, let's just give God praise for the fact that we're not going there. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 25. I want to start up talking about tonight what is hell. Because um, Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 13. Let me read this. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to pass the review from last week. Luke chapter 13, verse number 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he'll answer, I don't know where you come from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and you'll see Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom. But you yourselves shall be cast out. This passage right here where we left off last week was Jesus being very peculiar about saying that the reason it's important to take the idea of eternity serious in this day and age is because there will be no second chances in eternity. And because there's not going to be any second chances, we discussed last week, that it is extremely important for us as believers and us as Christians to take this opportunity that God has given us very seriously. Let's go with Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 46. This is what it says. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous shall go into eternal life. So for those that do take notes, this is what I want you to understand. Number one, hell is the place of eternal exile and eternal consciousness where the ungodly will experience God's righteous retribution against sin forever. A lot of times people believe, and we're coming into a society, and even in our Christianity, you're going to find that as you live your Christian lives and you walk in them, in this particular Asia we're living in, people don't take as hell as literal as they used to take hell. They don't take hell as serious as they used to take hell. And the biggest concern I have as a Bible teacher is that it seems that people have loosened the qualifications on what causes a person to go to hell. It used to be that people thought if you didn't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. Now it's, well, hell is reserved for just Hitler, Mussolini, and world dictators that ordered the deaths of a lot of people. But, you know, those are the really bad people that go to hell. And even in that kind of thinking, they believe that they're going to get a second chance. But Jesus was trying to tell you very seriously about hell. And I said last week that Jesus talked about hell twice as much as he did love and heaven. If you look at it. And the message that Jesus brings was very, very serious about hell. We're going to see in just a second that not only did Jesus talk about hell, the Apostle Paul never uses the word hell, 
but the Apostle Paul uses the word judgment very seriously. And not only does Paul talk about judgment, James talks about judgment, Peter talks about judgment, Jude talks about judgment, and of course in the book of Revelation, you're going to see that John talks a lot about judgment. And so it says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I don't know exactly where last week I left off. I was really trying this week to, to remember. But one thing that Jesus does about hell is he takes the time. You guys getting something on this tonight? It's okay. He takes the time to describe to you exactly what hell is because the Lord wants you to know it's not some place that you want to visit. And Jesus uses the word Gehenna to describe hell. And Gehenna was a word that was used in that time to describe a garbage dump. Now words have meanings and they change meanings over time. You know, we used to use the word sick to describe somebody that was not feeling so well. But today, if you call something sick, how many know that means you might be complimenting it, right? A sports team is doing well, you can say, boy, that team is sick. And you're not really saying they're not playing well, you're saying that team is actually pretty good. Or you have a new hairdo, man, that's, that's really sick, and you're saying, well, thank you, it's, it's a compliment. Well, that's because the word changed over time, and over time that word became idiomatic in its usage. You know, uh, if you say bookworm, today it's described somebody that does what? They spend a lot of time studying. But if you use the word bookworm in, over in Italy, that's, they don't know what that means. They think a book and a worm over in Italy, you actually, the word for, the idiom for a bookworm is a library mouse. It's a little bit different. Well, Jesus was taking the idea of what Gehenna was and he was using it idiomatically. Because Gehenna at that time was a garbage dump that was used in the Old Testament times to describe a place of refuse. It was where all the people in Judea took their trash and they, put, and, and they threw it over there. And a garbage dump in their time was similar to what it was in our time. It was constantly burning and smoldering trash and there was coals and ashes all around. And not only that, when there was dead bodies and poor families could not afford to bury them, they were by law allowed to take those dead bodies to Gehenna and burn them. So you're talking about a place that was a garbage dump and Jesus took this word Gehenna and he used it as an idiom to describe the place where the unrighteous that reject him, that reject the kingdom of God, are going to be judged at. Isn't that interesting that the Lord was using a garbage dump to the place that people would be judged, just passed in review. And so what Jesus was trying to communicate to people that were following him at his time is that hell is a rotten place full of disease and stench and that all death belongs to hell. I want to say this tonight, if it's something in this world that has refused, something in this world that has stench, and something in this world that has evil behind it, you can know that it came out of hell. And that's why I'm so very adamant about the fact that as believers, we don't allow and welcome anything in our life that has death in it. Amen, somebody? Jesus was very serious against hell because he taught that hell was a place of punishment. It says here in Matthew chapter 23, verse number 33, You serpents and you brought of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? And so you'll see what Jesus is talking about here is that the negative outcome of the heavenly courtroom is going to be far worse than the negative outcome of the earthly courtroom. So... The one thing that God wanted you to understand, Jesus wanted you to understand about God, is that God has the ability to sentence people to hell. Why would Jesus want us to understand that God had the power to sentence people to hell? I do believe that God is loving and God is kind, but God also wanted you to know through Jesus is that God has all power. And there should be in our lives a trembling that takes place when we think about our God. That the power to sentence belongs to God and God alone. You don't have the power to judge. We'll talk about that on Sunday. Because I'm going to talk about praying for the lost on Sunday. You don't have the power to judge people. You don't have the power to put people in hell. And therefore you shouldn't be afraid of man. But I'll tell you this. Man, uh, God has the power to do that. So when we approach God, there should be a little bit of fear and trembling in our lives. Amen? So look what it says here in Luke chapter 16, verse number 22. Finally, the poor man died 
We know he had to get to this verse, right? And was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything that you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is being comforted, and you're in anguish. Number one, when Jesus is describing hell in the parable of Lazarus, the very first thing that he says that you experience or people that go to hell are going to experience is thirst. Thirst. You know, I would say that out of all of the physical desires, that the worst of them all is thirst. How many have ever been really hungry? How many have ever been really sleepy? How many have ever, I don't mean to be gross, ever had to use the bathroom really bad? These are all physical and carnal expressions. But the worst of them all, I would probably have to say, is thirst. Because when you're thirsty and you can't get a glass of water, it is tormenting. You stop whatever you're doing right then and get a drink. I woke up in the middle of the night this past week and I was thirsty. And I didn't want to get out of bed because I had my perfect spot. The window was blowing. It was breezy. It was nice. I just didn't want to get out. Maybe if I had to use the restroom, I probably just would have waited till the morning. But I was thirsty. And you can't get it off of your mind when you're thirsty. And one thing Jesus was saying is you don't want to go to hell because the damned are going to be thirsty down there. You notice the rich man said to Lazarus, just take your finger and dip it in the water and come cool my tongue. All I want is a drop of water. Will you please come and cool my tongue? And the rich man says, I can't, or the Lazarus, Abraham says, he can't come do that now because you're going to have to pay for your sins by thirst. And people don't want to believe in it being literal, but the word of God is very serious. The next thing about hell is the fact that you're going to have a remember, people in hell are going to have a memory. Notice it says here, Abraham says to him, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Part of the punishment that people are going to have is that for a whole eternity, and eternity is a long time, as a matter of fact, it's no time. People are going to remember and think back upon their lifetime. And I do believe that when people are in, damned in hell, that they're going to think back to every single time when they had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Every time where the Holy Spirit was being long-suffering and telling them to respond to that altar call. Listen to what that, that preacher is saying. Do the will of God. Give to the poor. You see that poor person right there? Take care of them. I wonder so many times today. You know, I'm not going to get into talking about this tonight. That One of the things that Jesus says is that people that do not give to the poor, people that don't remember the poor, that's enough in and of itself to damn people to hell. Not taking care of the poor. How many people do you believe today are asking God for things? As a pastor, I know that there are a lot of people that ask me to pray that God would do something for them. And I always, when I meet some of these people, say, what are you doing for God? Do you know what God cares and is concerned about? How many people today do you, you know, uh, today I was coming home from prayer, 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they're coming, I'm going. I'm going, they're coming. I see all these cars going to work. Just going on the mad dash, on the mad dash. Got to be somewhere. Got an email to answer. Got an appointment with the client. And they're not doing that because they like emails. They're doing that because they want to make money. And I thought to myself, we have a lot of jobs here. I mean, we don't have as many as some people have. But there's a lot of jobs in Michigan. And that means a lot of people are getting paid at the end of the week. A lot of people have good jobs. Just go to Bloomfield Hills, West Bloomfield. There's some places that have more wealth. And look at the houses people are living in today. My wonder sometimes how many of these people are using their wealth to help out what God really cares for them about. And you know that sin is not always transgression and doing something. A lot of times sin is sins of omission where you don't do what God tells you to do. And I believe a lot of people are going to spend a lot of time regretting when they're in hell, not just doing transgressions, fornicating and, and, and doing things they shouldn't do, but they're going to be in hell because they're going to think about opportunities where they could have used their wealth for something else. When people are in hell and God has warned them, they're going to see that their fancier car or the things that they thought mattered to them so much are not what matters to God when they're in hell. And that is going to be one of the most severest of punishments. Amen, somebody. You're going to see that there's burning without relief. I won't get on that. Uh, next thing is that, and perhaps the most gruesome part of our study, 
is that there's going to be extreme and everlasting horror in the pit of hell. The Bible says that, um, let's see, what's the scripture here? It says here in Mark chapter 9, verse 47, If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. And notice what Jesus says right here, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Now, people ask me sometimes, I have had this question, are the maggots literal? Does that mean that simply people's bodies are going to be infected with worms? And the best thing I can tell you that is that if Jesus is being literal here, then it's terrible. But if he's not being literal, it's just all the more it's terrible. Is because when I believe what Jesus was saying is when there's a worm that's feeding on something, that means that that thing that the worm is feeding on is still alive. And so what I think what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that the worms are feeding on something that's never going to die. So in hell, you will always have, or the people have, an eternal conscience. That's what it means, is that people aren't going to be able to escape by simply being annihilated. That the worms are always going to have something to feed on because forever people will be alive in the pit of hell. And it means that their bodies are never going to consume. The fire, when it says the fire never stops burning, it means that it always has something to burn. So people are not going to escape when they're down there. And one of the, the, the things that uh, is probably the most hindering about this is it says in, Luke, in Revelation chapter 22 verse 11, Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm, and let the one who is vile continue to be a viler. This is talking about why they're in hell. Do you know what the thing about it is? And I want you to think about this because it's a thought I guarantee you haven't thought about. Is that when people are in hell, they don't get delivered from their sin. They don't get set free from the power of sin. They're going to continue while they're in hell to remain subjected to the addiction and the bondage that Jesus was never able to set them free from because they never surrendered it. Do you know what that simply means? Is that wicked people in hell will be confirmed in their wickedness. That means that forever they're going to be subjected to the illicit cravings that they had while they're on the earth but unable to fulfill those things. That means the drug addict who never got delivered, well, I believe, continue to be addicted while they're in hell, but never able to take a hit. The alcoholic is not going to find his favorite brand of high-end liquor in hell. And the sexual pervert is never going to find sexual fulfillment in hell, and those sins will continue to eat away at their soul. Somebody say, oh, thank God I ain't going there. Now, we're going to talk about it tonight. And then I just want you to keep these things in your heart. I don't want you to ever say, I didn't teach, that we have the leadership here tonight. Maybe that's a good thing. That I never taught you guys these things. Because I can tell you just from doing this study and putting this together for you, I'm going to teach it again other places when they ask me to come teach. Because I do believe that even having been in the church almost 20 years, I've hardly heard a teaching on hell. And we forget about it. And do you know what happens when we forget about it? We lose the urgency behind the message. We, we get so distracted and we allow the compromises of hell into our lives when we forget what Jesus explicitly and candidly and intentionally said about that place. And you know what has happened to the body of Christ? And I like this word. We as preachers need to pray. For, we as well, people need to pray for the preachers of America. Because the preachers of America have become allergic. I like that word. To talking about sin and judgment. They do not want to tell that side of the story. Because that side of the story is very hard to market. Because it does not make people feel good about themselves but I have to tell you that when I read about Jesus Jesus had compassion on the multitudes but there was a side of Jesus' message that caused people to stop following him they left him and a lot of things Jesus says when you read it even in its context it's not making people feel good about themselves but you know what it's doing it's making people look and examine themselves so they can get their lives right before God Amen, somebody. And that's the goal. I know, you know, a message like this, you might not walk out being like, all righty, 
well, who wants to go to get some pizza? Let's go get some ice cream. But you know what it will do? I can tell you this. I committed to God. That's not what I always want you to walk out feeling like. Sometimes I don't want you to walk out feeling that way. Sometimes I want you to drive home in silence and think about, man, I bet, oh man, is my life like that? I better get it right. Sometimes you might not go home putting on your Hezekiah walker and getting down with it. Sometimes you might go home and be like, oh my gosh. And if you hear what I have to say and it makes you go before your bed tonight, like I had to do when I studied this and repent as pastor and say, Lord, i got to remember what this message is for. In the book of Jude, I'm not going to talk about it tonight, just mention it. Jude condemned the preachers of that day. And this is what he says in short paraphrase. You preachers that are, don't have the Holy Spirit, you talk a lot about God, but all you care about is your belly. And there are preachers today, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to say who. I don't, I don't know their hearts, but I don't want it to ever be this preacher that talks a lot about God, but I only want more people, and I only want a bigger bank account and all the things and more, more whatever. If this is where we get, and I tell you the truth, and I've done God's will, then I can stand before God and say, I did the assignment you gave me. Amen, somebody. I want you to know after tonight, hell is a very real place if you believe the words of Jesus. Another thing about hell, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, And many of them, the Bible says, slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. And it says here, some to shame and everlasting contempt. One of the worst things about hell is that everyone in hell will be disregarded as beneath consideration. Nobody in hell will ever be looked upon and admired. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 66, 14 teaches that the, end, the, the, the generations of people that continue to live upon the earth, that God will allow there to be a hole in the earth where, bag, where uh, Babylon used to be. And people that traffic into the New Jerusalem can go look into that hole and see the, the, the abode of the wicked as a constant memorial. Well, this is at least what Finest Dake teaches. As a constant memorial to people to remember what happens when you rebel against God. And then another thing I believe is that when people are in hell, a place like that would drive you absolutely mad. And I think that some people in hell are going to be so mentally ill and out of their minds, but I don't think that they're going to become to the point where they're able to escape it. The closest to hell I've ever been in this earth is when I have to go and do visits in the psych wards. And you not just get one person that's out of their mind. You get about 30 people out of their minds. You know, I used to walk into the psych wards, and I would tell you, what I, this is how I know Jesus is God. I go into the psych wards, and to hear those people that are schizophrenic, they never cursed Buddha. They never cursed the Hindu gods. They never cursed Allah. Do you know who they're always cursing? Jesus. There was one guy, I remember, he was saying he was Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary. And some of the things I heard in the psych ward, I wish I had never heard. I almost had to repent for hearing those things. They were so bad. Things that, you know, are demonic, and they're always cursing Jesus. And I thought to myself, I remember I was 22 at that time, what is it going to be like in hell when everyone wants to curse God? And then, of course, the worst thing is, other than darkness, there's going to be no presence of God and no joy from having your prayers answered. I talked to a minister down in Texas today and I told him I was preaching on hell. You know what they told me? I was really glad. They said, what are you preaching on Sundays? I said, I'm preaching on prayer. What are you preaching on Thursday? They said, hell. They said, that's so interesting because our pastor has been teaching on prayer and they're also um, teaching a series now on Wednesday nights called Eternal uh, Eternity Somewhere. They teach on the same thing. The exact same stuff we're teaching at Light of the Day. A church in Texas, a pastor I've never met. But one of his ministers were talking to me. They're teaching the same thing. Prayer and the fact that there's heaven and hell. I think God is bringing his people back to understanding what the true message of the gospel is. Amen. That everything you see around us today is fading, is here today, and is gone tomorrow. And the one thing that matters is your eternity and my eternity and where are you going. See, we can't get away from this grace and your best life today and things like that. We can't, the thing, some of those things are nice, but they can't become the message because the message is simply the kingdom of God has come so that you don't have to spend eternity separated from God. Amen. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Okay, let me talk to you quickly about this tonight. The one thing that we're talking about is what causes people to go to hell, and it's very simple, sin. 
rebellion against God, refusing Jesus Christ. It says here in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8, But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers. Oh my God, think about this now. The sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, we got to be careful that we don't just uh, dull this down. We need to look at this scripture quickly, and we need to ask ourselves, what is he telling us here? And we can't cut and say, well, but this person. Now listen, you know what we do sometimes? We see someone that's an idolater or a sorcerer. And we say, yeah, but they might practice sorcery, but they say they're a Christian. I want to see in just a second that it doesn't work to do that. Because we live in a Christian culture. America still is the most Christian country. We can't give people passes. We have to allow them to be judged by God. But we've got to keep in mind, there's no mixing. It says here um, uh, in number... Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. I want you to, I'm going to say this quickly. The first group of people that Jesus is very clear that are going to be in hell. Are you ready for this one? Are you ready for this? This one is very, very uh, in your face. It's racists. Racists. What do you mean? Jesus talked about racism? Absolutely he did. Matthew eight twelve. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you can go and do the study on Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. But Jesus made this statement about people who go to hell after he had confronted some Jewish some Jews who believed that they were much more fit for the kingdom of God than everybody else. If you read Matthew chapter 8, which we won't do tonight, you'll see that Jesus was approached by a Roman Gentile soldier and that person had faith. And actually, that person had so much faith in Jesus, it floored him. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, that many shall come from the east and from the west and say to me, Lord. By saying the east and the west, Jesus didn't mean literally the east and the west, from as far as California is west, and as far as China is east. What he was simply saying is that people are going to come from all over, and they're going to worship me. And he says, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. Jesus was basically telling the Jews, you are going to miss the kingdom of God because you think because you're Jews, you're better than everybody else. And your great sin that is causing you to miss what's in front of you is that you have racial supremacy. Do you know there are people that think that God loves them more today because of their skin color? That think today that they're more loved of God is because of where they were born or what culture they have? And I believe that culture is fun to go and be a part of other cultures. It's fun to be a part of other cultures. But one of the things that God has said is not that we need to renounce our culture. I think cultures are beautiful. I'm not trying to get people to get rid of their culture. I believe you should celebrate your culture. But you should include all the cultures in your celebration. Amen, somebody. And when people segregate other cultures and say that you don't want anything to do with them, you want them to be, you know, you, you talk racist. That is something that brings God's heart low. And the Bible is very clear that people that are racist don't inherit the kingdom of God. So we have to look at our hearts and make sure that they're right. Number two, the Bible says that the fearful. Now I want to correct this one because I always used to think to myself when I was afraid at night of a car that drove by. I used to know this verse. And I used to think, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm going to hell because I don't want to go downstairs and get a glass of juice out of the fridge. I used to think that. And I used to say, God, help me with this fear because I don't want to go to hell. You know, I, I got to fill me with faith. Huh? And, I, and God's not talking about if you're afraid of spiders, you're going to hell. Can you imagine that? Yep. Yeah, you did a lot of good for me, but you're afraid of arachnid. So see ya. That never sounded like God to me. It's amazing what a study of scripture will do and help you clear up some of those concerns that you have. The fearful is simply talking about when you study what was going on in the book of Revelation, you'll find that, you know, he wrote the letter to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3. What did he tell the letters of the churches? In the face of persecution, to hold on to your faith in Jesus. You'll see the same thing happens in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and 15. He was telling the Hebrews, do not give up your faith in light of the persecution that you're facing. And what Jesus is saying right here is that the fearful are the cowards who do not conquer in the battle. People that give up their faith when things get difficult because they're too afraid to take a stand for Jesus. And I promise you, this has not been something that a Western mind can understand.
because we have not had that kind of opposition ever in this country since it was set up in 1776. But you are now going to start seeing in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, in the next 50 years, how we as believers are going to see that this one right here is one that we cannot give up. When people want to tell us what they believe about gender equality, and we have to say, no, 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 I believe the Bible. You are going to get persecuted for it today. You're going to get persecuted for saying that you believe in traditional marriage. You're going to get persecuted for teaching your children the righteous ways of Almighty God. And the people that are going to end up in hell are the ones that are too afraid to teach what the Bible teaches and back away from it. Amen, Amen somebody. The cowards are the ones that are afraid of the kingdom of God. And John would tell you that they never were from us in the first place. And so we as believers have to understand overcomers are the ones that get to heaven. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm teaching from a, like a lectern. But if I was preaching, I would tell you, we have to overcome. We got to be overcomers. Overcome sin. When sin comes your way, can you say no? When sin pops up, can you say, I can't do it. I will not do it. I'm an overcomer. Because hell is not going to be full of overcomers. Hell is going to be full of people that told sin yes. And heaven is going to be full of people that told sin no. And said yes to the word of God. Amen. Let's give God praise tonight. Okay. You'll find out that the Bible says that hell is full of unbelievers. These are people that don't have faith. Number four, murderers. Murderers. You know what you're seeing today, as I shared on Sunday, just on Sunday, I learned that ever since the Sandy Hook shooting, we had over a thousand people, a thousand mass shootings in the United States. A thousand mass shootings have happened since the Sandy Hook. That's a CNN statistic. One thousand. One thousand. I was at school on Tuesday night at Schoolcraft uh, when I take my language course. And I thought, these halls of school are not the way they used to be. You need to pray for our school systems. Amen. Emily knows she's a teacher. That's because there is murder, a spirit of murder that has come into the United States. We have to pray against it because murders end up in hell. There's no question in my mind when you see these things that happen on television. People shooting, going into churches and shooting, going into Oregon and doing these kind of things. This is from hell. And do you want to know what? This is why we do not watch movies that celebrate killing. I'm not saying you can't watch a war movie. I'm not saying you can't watch a movie that, that you know, has a car chase. I'm, that's between you and what you decide is right for you and God. I don't get involved as that as your pastor. But I'm telling you to do violence that is overwhelming. Keep it far from your eyes. Things that have to do with the celebration of death. Do you know why? Because God hates it so much, He's going to put it in hell. And if that's in your life, you can't get before the presence of God. Don't think it's cute. It's, no, it's just a movie. No, 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 no. Who's the one making the movie? And what are they trying to communicate? And I will tell you this. I will tell you this right off the bat. The one thing, the biggest murder that is in the United States is not our school system's mass shootings. It is abortion. And it's murder. And you not only believe it's murder, as a matter of fact, I was um, interested to see what the ancients believed about murder. And you know that scholars will tell you that when John wrote this inspired by the Spirit, he could have likely had abortion in mind because back in the ancient days of Greece, there was common core ethics amongst religions. And according to a temple inscription in the ancient city of Philadelphia, that's where one of the, not, no one, not Philly, not West Philly, all right, but Philadelphia, there was an inscription about abortion in a temple that wasn't even Christian, that would not allow people to come in there and worship their false gods if they were abortionists. Because they considered it, end quote, killing children. Not only that, but you'll find out that in hell there's whoremongers. That means prostitution, perversion, pornographers, homosexuals, which the Bible refers to as dogs in Revelation chapter 21.5. Why does God refer to that sin as dogs? And I'll tell you why. Because if you look at a dog, this is what scholars tell you now. If you look at a dog, you'll find out a dog has an impure mind. An impure mind. What is wrong with perverts? I can tell you the sin of the flesh comes from the sin of the mind. 
They look at everything. Now you look at it. If you listen to perverts talk, you know, we had one that was an, a, a pornographer that was on. He was just in the news last week. He was talking about his business. And you can find out this man has a very, 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 very vile mind and corrupt. And that's why they go to hell. Another thing is the Bible talks about idolaters. I shared this with you where I was at last week. You'll find out the idolatry is coming to the United States. And those are the things that... Are, and the next, finally, the Bible says liars. Now, let me just say this. You guys can take a breath. Take a breath. You're doing good. All right? Y'all like, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. We're going to pray before we leave tonight. We're going to thank God that he's cleansed us and he's forgiven us. And when we turn to him, we're going to find out that none of us are going to hell. Amen? I just want to remind you of that, okay? Not going to hell. Don't. Some of you are like, Phew. no. The next thing the Bible says, liars. Now listen. I know what you're thinking. All of us, every last one of us in here, we exaggerate. And the question becomes is, where does exaggeration turn into lying? Right? If the fisherman says, I caught a fish about this big. Well, you know, the fish was this big. Is he lying or is he exaggerating? Or is all exaggerations lies? <laughs> I guess it would mean in the intent of why you're trying to do it, you know? Uh, when does exaggeration become lying? And when does it become a big lie? Well... I think God knows your heart, but I want to tell you that lying here is bad and you shouldn't lie, especially to your pastor. But this refers to right here not telling lies as in, I was here when I was really there. Liars is referring to Christians whose profession, they say they're Christians, but they live their lives in a compromised way or by a false doctrine. It's basically John saying that there will be many Christians who end up in hell because they have lied their whole lives about who they really are. Oh my gosh. That's when I started to learn the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit. When you spend time with the Holy Spirit on a one-on-one -on -one basis, the very first thing the Holy Spirit will give you revelation on is who you really are. How many people spend their lives wasting time lying about who they are, using everything from social media to, to clothes and to their wealth just to portray something. And I will tell you this, this spirit has come into the United States because people today are lying to themselves about who God has made them to be. God has made you to be a man and you're lying to yourself and saying that you're a woman. And you're not. You're a man. Isn't it amazing to see how the Bible has shed so much light on the lies of the enemy? But Christians are commended by God to be truthful about who they are. Can someone say amen to that? I'm almost done. We're, 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 then we're going to turn the music on and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna smile again. Alright? <laughs> Quickly. The question is, why are people in hell? Why are they in hell? It says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6-9, through 9, In His justice, in His justice, someone say justice, justice. He will pay back. <sighs> Did you hear that? In His justice, God will pay back. Doesn't this, does this sound like the God that gets preached on television? In His justice, God will pay back those who persecute you. And God will, you know what that means? There's payback coming for ISIS. They're going to get paid back by God. You may never be able to pay him back. The United States may never drop bombs on them. But I'll tell you what, God's going to pay him back. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted. It says here, uh, He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those that do not know God. And those who refuse to obey God, they will be punished with eternal destruction. So number one, people are going to be in hell because of God's vengeance. Hell is not intended to correct people. Hell is intended to be vengeful to those that have refused God. And so I want to say this quickly tonight. Number two is that people are also going to be in hell because of God's anger. We think God is loving, but the reason why He throws them into hell, it says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 9, is that they're tormented because of the cup of His anger. I won't read the whole verse. And so what, God is, what John is trying to tell you in this scripture is that don't oppose God. Now here's the thing that I want to say quickly before we end tonight. God has a judging side to him. God's going to put people in hell because he's going to pay them back. Let me ask you this question quickly. 
We've all gone on the streets. If you've gone in any large city, and what do you see? What do you see on the streets? Next to the drug dealer and the cokehead and the alcoholic and the strip clubs and the Wall Street. What do you always see in, in a major city? You can't go without it. You see, and the homeless people, you do, that's correct. You see homeless people. But, and what do you see next to the homeless people? You always see one. You see a Christian preaching with a big sign that's telling everyone they're going to go to hell. Right? Now, I want to challenge your thinking for a second here, okay? I get they make you uncomfortable. They make you uncomfortable. I believe they probably make you uncomfortable because you can never picture yourself doing that. Getting up with a sign and telling everybody, either repent or you're going to go to hell. How many have ever said that they've seen something like that? But I want us, we all seen it. How many, let's be honest tonight, because it's just us, just our group tonight. How many people can say you've been aggravated at that? Raise your hand. I'm going to my hand up too. But can we think here for a second tonight? I'm not saying go do it, but let's just think. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. After this, we're gonna, Moses is going to get the sandwich board and go outside. I'm just <laughs> Let's read Acts 17 and 30. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's going to Athens. I know he's Paul. I know he's hard-nosed. I know he's a choleric. I know he's mean. But this is Paul, God's man for the gospel. Paul goes to a pagan audience who did not have the understanding of God, did not have the understanding of Jesus, and he only has minutes to preach to the Athenians a message about Jesus. What would you preach if you had just a few minutes about God? You might get up there and say God is love. You might get up there and say God's going to heal your body. You might get up there and say it's time to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You might get up there and say God accepts you. Who don't know? You don't know what many preachers would say today. Picture, I've been on Mars Hill. If you go to Greece, they know exactly where it's at. You stand right there. It's literally a rock. It's a red rock. They, this is the exact spot, and it overlooks the whole city of Athens. And behind it is the Acropolis, or you're in the Acropolis. Behind is the Parthenon, and then to the right you have the Temple of Nike. Nike. And all of a sudden, Paul gets up there. He has minutes, and there's these men. What would you preach? What do you think Paul preached? Look what he says, Acts 17, verse 30 to 31. It says, God overlooked, this is his sermon, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. They didn't get up there and tell everyone God loves them. Now I'm saying we, we need to tell the world God loves them. That's part of the message. We need to go share the love of Jesus. But I'll tell you this, is that we can't share the love of Jesus only. We cannot because we had a bad taste of someone on the street with a sign say that we can never share that message anymore. That message is true. And I'll tell you this, after reading this, and as I relate, I look at those preachers, they may look crazy to you, but I know what they're trying to do. And you know what? I'm not going to, I wouldn't stop them. Because at least they are telling the world, listen, there is a God and He loves you, but He also, there's a judgment side. They're not trying to push people away from Jesus. You know what they're trying to do? Warn people. And sometimes we as Christians get upset at them. But I can tell you that even though that they may seem toxic and unloving, it seems like this is what the Apostle Paul was doing in Acts chapter 17. He was telling them, turn or burn. And we get so far away from this in society. But I can tell you, it's part of the message. That doesn't mean you have to go out there with a bullhorn. I remember one time, I saw a guy doing this on the street. I was actually in high school. He was actually at the Woodward Dream Cruise. Wouldn't you believe it? People were showing off their cars and having fun and listening to oldies. It was good, clean fun. And here comes this Christian, a teenager actually, probably about 19, 20 years old. I was with my cousin. And you know what happens? I'm going to tell you exactly what happens. First of all, you don't want to be around anybody, usually in your mind, that you're witnessing to. Or that doesn't, that, that's iffy about whether they want to believe in Jesus. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to ask you what you think about it. What do you think about this guy? You're a Christian. Do you think he, what do you think about it? And you know what you always do? Eh, yeah, you avoid the question because you know what he's saying is true. But you know what's rubbing this friend wrong. Okay? And I remember I was like, oh no. You know, I don't know. Oh, this is, this is going to make me uncomfortable. This is going to make me uncomfortable. And you know what? It makes everybody uncomfortable. 
because you're stopping the fun. You're like raining on the parade. You know, you're like, you're the scratch in the CD. You hear the CD, and, 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 and now you become the scratch in the record player. And he's up there telling everybody, about it, and everybody stops. But let me ask you this. If he's warning people about a truth, and these people could end up in hell one day, good for him for stopping people in their fun and making them think about eternity. Because I'll tell you what, you're not going to remember that day. But you're going to remember if you give your heart to Jesus. And they do win people. Yes, they do. So I think that if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, He may lead some people to do that sometimes. They're not all bad. Street preachers, we need to give them a little more credit. They, 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 they endure a lot. Now there's some of them that are so wacky and so far out there. But you know what? You never get upset when the tornado siren goes off, do you? You could be outside playing baseball. And all of a sudden you're having a good time playing. I remember when I was a kid, I'd be playing basketball and the clouds would start coming. I'm going to keep playing. And, and it's loud. It's annoying. We used to live right by the siren too. And it would blast into the house. Sometimes, I remember this summer I was sleeping. It was 1230 and I heard it go off. Woke me up out of my sleep. And I don't even have a basement in my condo. If there's a storm coming out, I still, I've been living in my condo for five years. I don't, still don't know what I'm going to do if a tornado starts to rip through there. I don't have a plan. And to get in the car and drive the other way. But you know what? I didn't call him the other day and say, Hey, why did you uh, blow the siren? I was sleeping. Yeah, it was an inconvenience, but you know what? You warned me. Amen, somebody? So hell, number one, should make us carry out the work of the Lord. Number two, hell should make us live holy in our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 22, But I say to everyone who is angry with his brother, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable of the hell fire. So hell should make you live a holy life. I won't get into that. I'm going to end right here. Number three this is the most important thing. Ready for this? Hell should make us tell the world about Jesus. When people forget about hell, when people forget about the eternal destiny of other believers, of other people, do you know what happens? They become passive about going to them and going to the world. You pass up conversations. The other day I was at the uh, gas station and I got into a talk with a guy. And you know what? You know how you know the Holy Spirit is leading you to talk to somebody? They start opening up their lives to you. Has that ever happened to you? You go to a gas station, you're buying some jujubes, some orange cupcakes. And all of a sudden, this person just starts telling you stuff, volunteering information. And, and then, you know, okay, but you know, and, and also this and this and that. Then I started talking to this guy, and I started talking to him, and talking to him, and talking to him. And I have a great line. I say, you know, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor in the area in Farmington Hills. And you know what I said to him? Here's my card. I want to talk to you. Give me a call. Now I'm going to go back and follow up with them. Because this, is, this, is, this, could be, this could be the Holy Spirit leading the person to Jesus. And you know what? We have to follow up with these people. We have to talk to them. Because whatever you're doing is not as important as this person going to hell. If hell is real. And we believe it is. Amen. Over 1.5 billion people. 1.5 billion people have never heard the gospel of Jesus. That's like almost three times the size of the United States, full of people. Never, that's actually three times, that's almost, that's over three times the United States size. 1.5 billion people have never heard that there was a man named Jesus who was God that came and died on the cross. Never heard of it. And you know what? People always ask. This is the number one question I get when people want to challenge the gospel. Number one question. If you're going to be in ministry one day, and you're going to start teaching, you'll get this question. What if they don't hear? What if they don't hear? What if they are born in the jungles somewhere and they don't hear? Do they still go to hell? You could say, I don't know. That's a decent, I mean, that's better than giving the wrong answer. But you know what I believe? And I do believe that most Christians and pastors and teachers and people I've read and being well read, I believe is the right answer. The Bible never tells us otherwise. The Bible is very, very clear. The only way that you can get to God is through Jesus Christ. Now, Romans chapter 1 verse 8 speaks about the fact 
that there is general revelation that comes through creation. You can look out at the sunset. If you never picked up a Bible in your life, and you never heard an evolutionist, you were just born on an island by yourself, someone dropped you there, and you just grew up, and you didn't have nobody ever talking to you, and you looked at a sun, you would know. You would know. This is this this this. There's a creator. You just would know. That's that's the inner. That's the inside bearing witness to that. But guess what? Paul is very clear in Romans chapter one and verse eighteen. That general revelation is not enough to save you. It's only enough to tell you you don't know enough. Amen, somebody. And I can tell you this: that if you uh, what, what the Apostle Paul is telling you is that if you see creation and you realize there's a creator, but you never know, come away knowing that creator's name, you've come to a bad conclusion. That's why God tells us, you got to go. You have to go tell people about God. you got to go. Now, I believe I was in Turkey one time, the only time I was in Turkey, and when we were there... I met with a pastor from Germany. He was a German native who was missionary to Turkey. And he was missioning, uh, a missionary to the Muslims. And he was telling, he told me on two accounts where Muslims were having visions of Jesus in their sleep. They had never heard a preacher talk about Jesus. But they knew Jesus was a prophet and Jesus would come to them and tell them he's God and they get saved. That's special revelation. Is Jesus doing that all over the world? You better believe he is. He's doing that, I believe, in places where people are unable to get to him because God is fair and God is just and God is holy and God is going to maintain that fairness and God is going to maintain that justice. But you cannot just depend on that. We still... Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.